This is the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast brought to you by Art Wiederman, CPA with Ide Bailey. Whether it's taxes and investing or planning wisely, Art is the expert to make your dental practice profitable. At Ide Bailey, what inspires you inspires us. We provide a suite of accounting and advisory services dedicated to the total care of your practice. Visit our website to access our tools and resources tailored for dentists, idebailey.com slash dentist. That's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com slash dentist. This podcast is distributed with the understanding that Art Wiederman, CPA, and Ide Bailey, LLP are not rendering legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Listeners should consult with their business advisors before acting on any of the information or opinions shared. If you have questions and or feedback, make sure to email Art over at awiederman at idebailey.com. That's A-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com. You can also give Art a call at 657-279-3243. Without further delay, here's your host, Dental CPA Art Wiederman. Welcome to another edition of the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman, CPA. I'm your host. My name is Art Wiederman, and I am a dental division director. Very proud to be part of the CPA firm of Ide Bailey. Uh, I'm out of Southern California. And we're recording this in the evening of August the 9th. So what that means for me is that I get to celebrate another birthday. Uh, my birthday will have passed when you hear this podcast, but on August 14th, I will turn 63. Not a humongous milestone, but um, uh, it's another year on uh, on the candle, and uh, I feel great. Uh, in fact, today I spent, uh, I spent the day in my happy place. I have... Actually, I have um, three happy places. Uh, the first place is a golf course, and that's where I was today. I was playing with some friends of mine and um, hit some good shots, hit some bad shots. Uh, the driver was working the irons, not so much, but I'm working on that. And it's a lot better than it was, and it's really fun to play. Uh, the second happy place is where I was about uh, three, four weeks ago, which was in Alaska on a boat fishing for halibut. We caught some halibut, brought home about 30 pounds of it. Got to eat some of it while we were up there. Some beautiful countryside, 45 to 50 degrees, six layers of clothes. And then I came home and one day later, turned around, packed my bag again and got on an airplane to go from 45 to 50 degrees and six layers of clothing to 90 degrees and about 90% humidity or 900% humidity, it felt like. Um, got to go to lecture. I was honored to speak at the National Academy of General Dentistry meeting in Orlando, Florida. And it was wonderful. It was at the Rosen Shingle Creek uh, Resort. Beautiful, beautiful resort. And I got to speak for three hours on uh, metrics of a dental practice and three hours on financial planning. And I got to see my dear friend from 40 years ago back in Pride, Actually, sat in on her lecture, Deborah Engelhart Nash. We're going to have Deborah and her husband Ross back on this podcast. Ross hasn't been on, but Deborah has been. Uh, Deborah's just one of the first of all, one of the best consultants in the world, and one of the funniest human beings I've ever met. So um, it was a great, great time. So I'm uh, back in Southern California for a while, and uh, tonight I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about what it's going to look like if we go into a recession and what you need to be doing for your dental practice. 
And a recession is defined in the books of economics as two consecutive quarters of negative growth of the gross domestic product, meaning that our economy is contracting and shrinking. So I'm going to give you a whole bunch of things that you need to do to prepare. And a lot of this is being a leader and letting your team know that while we may be headed into a recession, Goldman Sachs says there's a 30 to 40% chance that we are going into a recession. I don't know. Uh, Time will tell. Um, You know, we don't worry about it. We don't contract. We don't stop what we're doing. So we're going to talk about all of that. Just a couple of announcements. Number one, please, please take a look at our partner, Decision and Dentistry Magazine's website. They have over 140 amazing continuing education classes um, on all kinds of great clinical topics, uh, top authors from all over the world uh, writing about clinical subjects. That's www.decisionsanddentistry.com. Uh, Make sure that if you have not looked at the employee retention tax credit, that you look at that uh, for the year of 2020. We are, believe it or not, folks, we're getting to the point that in about a year, actually a little less than a year, um, that window for 2020 is going to close. So if you haven't looked at it, if you had a greater than 50% reduction in your uh, gross receipts, in any quarter of 2020, which would for most all of you be the second quarter, uh, or a greater than 20% reduction for any quarter in 2021, uh, the first three quarters, as a matter of fact, uh, you could be eligible. And we are getting calls at Bailey. I have personally handled well over 100 ERTC cases. We're getting close to $5 million in tax credits. And I get a lot of happy clients and, The program is there, the money is there, and it's for you, and it's to be had. Uh, I again warn you that if there are, uh, if you are being contacted by companies out there that are uh, telling you that you qualify for every quarter of 2020 and every quarter of uh, 2021, the first three, uh, I would be very, very wary. read an article that was uh, actually uh, put on our blog by one of our wonderful ADCPA members, and they talked about some of the bad reasons why you qualify. My favorite one was somebody on TikTok told me that I qualified. Well, there you go. I mean, uh, that 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 seals the deal right there. Be very, very careful, folks. Um, most all of you who are going to qualify for the ERTC are going to qualify under the 20 and 50% rule. Some of you might have been shut down, but the fact is if you were shut down during those times, which is the only times that you could claim the credit is when you're shut down, uh, you probably weren't paying your employees. So I I just be really, really careful. Uh, The other thing, and this uh, podcast I believe is going to come up on the 24th of August. So that being the case, you have the rest of August and the entire month of September to do your required reporting on the HHS Provider Relief Fund portal if you received more than $10,000 in um, the period between January 1 of 2021 and June 30th of 2021. You must report 
information that is required by the Department of Health and Human Services, HRSA, um, or you will be asked to give back whatever money you have received from that program. So please, folks, if you haven't reported, get going with that. We can help you with it if you need some help. My office number is 657-279-3243. And my email is a Wiederman, W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N, at idebailey.com. One more thing before we get our topic, a shout out to my wonderful, wonderful friends at the Academy of Dental CPAs, www.adcpa.org. A special shout out to my really good friend in Oklahoma. I think I guess part of the time he's in Oklahoma and part of the time he's in Maine, I believe. Uh, Paul Woody just celebrated his 50th anniversary, 50th anniversary of being in private CPA practice. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that, that many of you have mentors and people that you look up to and people, when they talk, you just stare right in their eyes and you don't miss a word because every word is valuable. That's Paul. And Paul's uh, son, Grant, um, runs their CPA firm there in Oklahoma City. And I just want to wish my heartiest congratulations to uh, Paul Woody for 50 amazing years. And, And Paul is one of the people in our group, many of us do this, but he is really vocal about it, who is really, really advocating, and I'm in 150% agreement with him, uh, advocating the private fee-for-service practice of dentistry and entrepreneurship, because you must be an entrepreneur to run your own business. And if you haven't had an opportunity to hear Paul either at a, a dental school, he lectures at the OU Dental School, um, or hear him um, uh, on a podcast or on, uh, uh, just, just talking anywhere. He is just absolutely, um, just someone that you really, really want to listen to. So again, great congratulations to you, Paul. Be sure to check out our new I'd Bailey podcast, Ebb and Flow, a business podcast providing inspired insight on issues and trends the middle market faces. Hear unique business stories, get answers to frequently asked and unasked questions, and understand business topics that matter to you. Available now on your favorite podcast platform. Okay, let's get into the topic for tonight. And our topic for tonight is, what do we do as private practice dentists in a recession? Now, for those of you that have graduated dental school in the last five to 10 years, um, you probably haven't hit a whole lot of economic downturn. In fact, our economy has been really strong through the decade of the 2010s, and now we're heading into the 2020s. Inflation has always been very low, like next to nothing. Interest rates were next to nothing. The federal funds rate, and remember that when they talk about the Federal Reserve raising interest rates, that is the rate the Federal Reserve controls this rate, that banks lend money to other banks overnight. So that rate was zero for some period of time. I mean, it was zero. Uh, And it has now gone up to uh, over, I believe it's uh, 
uh, I haven't looked at it lately, two and a half or three percent, might even be higher than that. And um, the reason that interest rates are going up, folks, which is why we're talking recession here, the reason that interest rates are going up is because we have rampant inflation. And we have rampant inflation because the government has pumped trillions of dollars into our economy. And everybody's got money to buy stuff. And, you know, everybody wants to buy stuff. And there's not enough stuff to buy because we have supply chain issues. Uh, We have a war going on in the Ukraine uh, that is hurting grains and other you know, items that need to be uh, exported. It's hurting all of Europe. Uh, we have issues with China uh, regarding the fact that China is having intermittent lockdowns of different areas of China to try and uh, prevent the spread of COVID-19. Uh, they're very adamant about that. So that is hurting the supply chain. So folks, inflation happens when there is more demand and less supply. And when inflation goes up, prices go up, people have less money. And what happens is, is that uh, our economy, um, you know, it's a problem because people don't have the money to pay for goods and services. So they start thinking about cutting back. So what does the government do to try and uh, cut inflation? Because, it, I mean, you know, you look at gas prices, you look at home prices, uh, you look at rents. You know, if, if a young couple just getting married wants to rent an apartment in a major city, I heard in New York City, in Manhattan, the average cost of a one-bedroom apartment, and I might have been wrong, might be also a two-bedroom apartment, is over $5,000 a month. That is absolutely insane. So what the government has been doing is they've been raising this federal funds rate. They're raising interest rates. They've raised it three times. A couple of weeks ago, they raised it 75 basis points. We're expecting that they're going to raise it again once, maybe even twice this year. And why are they doing that? The reason that they're doing that is because if you raise interest rates, it costs people more money to buy a house, to buy a car. Uh, credit card average interest rates are going to go from 17 to 19%. And what it does is it cools the economy down. So what, what they're trying to do is they're actually trying to get businesses to have less demand for their products as the supply chain issues come back. And, and they're trying to cool the economy down so that if there is less demand, and more supply, and businesses aren't selling as much goods and services, prices will come down, one would hope. Um, People will spend less money. And again, prices will come down, which is what they're trying to accomplish. The, The problem that the government has is that they waited a little too long, is what a lot of people say. And what's happening or what we believe is going to happen is that this could very well put us into recession because what happens? Prices go down. Businesses don't sell as much. They lay people off. 
unemployment goes up. Right now, your unemployment rate is 3.6%, right where it was uh, pretty darn close before the pandemic hit. So now what happens is, is we go ahead, we raise interest rates, we cut demand for services and products, people spend less money, businesses lay people off, businesses don't do as well, unemployment goes up, and we have a recession because people, uh, businesses aren't going to manufacture uh, the goods and services at as high of a rate as they were before when everybody wanted the goods and services. So that's kind of the overview of what a recession looks like and where we're going. Are we going to get there? Well, I can tell you that the, and again, you guys have listened to my podcast for over three and a half years, know that I don't do politics. I don't do Republican. I don't do Democrat. Uh, my personal views are really irrelevant here. Uh, but the Democrat, democratically controlled White House and Congress are saying, nope, we're not going to have a recession. We're not going to have, it's not going to happen. Not a chance. We're going to cut these interest rates. Demand's coming down. You can already see it. Gas prices have come down. I love it here in California. Uh, we listen, the average national gas price is $4.16 a gallon. Yeah, it gets to $4.16 and multiply that by about uh, 50% more. And that's what we have here, although they have come down. Um, rental cars are very, very costly and not easy to get. Uh, airline flights are much more expensive. So, so we have this recession. So what does it mean to you? What it means to you is if we do go into a recession, most people think it's going to be a mild recession. It may last three months, six months, nine months. We don't know. Uh, people are going to lose their jobs. They'll get laid off. What does that mean to a dental office? That means that, number one, if someone doesn't have a job, maybe they have to dip into savings or maybe they can't afford to come to the dentist. Uh, it also means maybe they lose their insurance benefits, and that is a big deal, which is why we want to be talking, and I'll talk a little bit about in-office membership plans. But I want to give you some of my thoughts as to what you do when there's a recession. So the first thing you got to remember, folks, is you do not want to change your total health and comprehensive treatment philosophy. Don't diagnose your patient's um, pocketbooks. Don't say, oh, well, you know, I know that Susie Smith who's coming at 10 o'clock and I know she and her husband, they struggle. And so, you know, I'm just, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to diagnose as much on her. I'm not going to uh, present her with the comprehensive care that I might present to somebody else who's maybe the CEO of a company. Don't do that. And you as the leader of your team have to make sure that you let your team know that, yes, economies go up and they go down. We have periods of inflation, stagflation, uh, recession, uh, strong, booming economies. We have, we have all kinds of things. I mean, it would be nice if everything were nice and smooth. The stock market went up 10% a year, like clockwork, but it doesn't work that way, folks. There's way too many factors. So what you need to let your team know is you need to let your team know that we have a strong dental practice. And the number one important thing that we have to be cognizant of is the total health and care of our patients, regardless of what the economy is. So we are going to continue 
to pro- provide and present the best possible treatment plan for our patients. Because when you stop doing that, then you lose your entire purpose. Uh, you, you, you lose everything that you have built your dental practice on. So just because we have a bad economy, you know, people are going to talk about it and say, you know, if someone comes in and says, listen, I, I just can't do this now. You know, your answer is, we absolutely understand. We are here for you. Okay. You said in the pandemic, that's what you said in 2008. That's what you said in 2001. All the years that we had problems, we're here for you. Mrs. Smith, I want you to know that our practice is committed to 100% make sure that you have the best possible total health as a human being as you as you can. And I would not be doing my job if I did not tell you that the best possible treatment that I can offer you right now is a crown on number 15 and 16, and this is why. And Mrs. Smith may say no. Mrs. Smith may delay it, but you must continue to do what you have been doing at all times and not even worry about someone's pocketbook. It's going to happen. Okay. I want to talk about likability. You know, I, I ran a CPA firm for 33 years. My my dear friend and 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 partner Pam Chamberlain and I worked together, ran the firm for that long. And, you know, we had at the, at our highest peak, we had 10 people. We worked with, I don't know, 200, 250 dental practices. And the thing about Pam and I, and I I don't have any remorse or reserve about saying this, Pam and I are two of the most likable people that you're going to meet. I mean, just absolutely everybody likes working with us. We're positive. And, you know, I was at Deborah Engelhart's uh, lecture in Orlando and she, she, she said something really profound about the likability is that 74% of patients that leave a dental office leave because they don't like the dentist, they don't like the team, and they don't like the vibe in the office. So especially in a period where we think we're coming into a recession, you must be a likable office. Um, It was interesting. I've been preaching that for years. And the keynote speaker at our uh, uh, Academy of General Dentistry National Meeting in Orlando was a gentleman by the name of Walter Bond. Walter was a, uh, he played in the National Basketball Association. He was a professional basketball player. And he talked about likability. Now, he and I did not talk before his his talk to the group. Uh, we had, I think, uh, 1,700 dentists in the meeting, 2,500 people all, uh, you know, all in for the meeting. And he was talking about likability. So think about a business that you go in where you go to, and it could be a medical office, it could be a butcher shop, it could be a hair salon, where you walk in and people look at you like they don't care. Yeah? Are you here for your haircut? Okay, well, Susie, sit down. Susie will be ready in a little while. I mean, that is not what you need to have. What you need to have is where a patient comes into your office and you say, Art Wiederman, and you walk out to Art Wiederman, and you embrace me, okay, embrace me, shake my hand, uh, lots of hugs in dental offices if we've known each other for a while. And um, you say, Art, I want to let you know that uh, Dr. Jones is ready to see you. 
And uh, Stephanie, the hygienist, is ready to see you. And we are so excited that you're here. And let me take you back to your treatment room that we've prepared especially for you. Now, you don't have to say it exactly that way, but the likability. If you have a team member who is a cancer in your office, someone who gossips, someone who complains about the doctor, someone who complains about the hygienist, someone who complains about uh, some other team member or all team members, someone who is just flat out negative, doctors in a recession, you've got to have all your cylinders at the highest peak performance, you've got to get rid of those people. And you're going to go, well, Art, wait a minute. I can't find employees. Well, there are people out there. Um, I had Holly Perez from Dental Direct on uh, uh, the last podcast we published. And uh, I mean, there are people that are out there like Holly who can help you uh, with your ads and to find people. It's hard. Don't get me wrong. Uh, we at iBailey have the same issue. All professional service companies have issues with finding professionals. Things have changed. But the fact of the matter is, is you have to have a likable office. You have to have a likable team. You have to have a team that's like a family. Um, Deborah told this great story, and I, I, I love I love this story. So Deborah's husband, Ross, runs a very high-end um cosmetic restorative practice in North Carolina. And she tells the story of when uh, at four o'clock one day, a patient called and said, hey, I'm going to, I think it was a wedding. And Deborah, if you're listening to this and I get the story wrong, you can text me and tell me I'm wrong and I'll correct myself on the next podcast. But Deborah, uh, Deborah, Deborah, um, the patient comes in, I'm sorry, the patient comes in and says, uh, calls and says, hey, um, I've got an event coming up. I want, I need 20 veneers done and I want them done now. And <laughs> so the front office went to the team, went to the doctor and you know what they said? Let's get it done. And they stayed that night until 11 PM. How many of you have a team that would stay for a patient, for the practice, for the doctor, until 11 p.m. That's the kind of team that Ross Nash has. And um, that's the kind of team that I hope most of you have. Now, I wouldn't recommend you having your team stay till 11 o'clock most nights because that gets old, but that's the kind of team you want to have. So if you have bickering, if you have backstabbing, if you have people talking about each other, if you have people sneering at each other. I mean, I have heard stories of, of you know, the hygienist and the assistant sneering at each other or sneering when the doctor walks out of the room. Patients see that. They tell their friends. It's a cancer. You've got to get rid of it. So I want you to think about having a likable dental office. The next thing I want to talk to you about is your metrics. In a recession, you must know the numbers and you must look at the numbers on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. And when we talk about metrics, I've talked about metrics programs. Uh, there are a dozen of them out there. The, the, the two that I'm most familiar with are Dentometrics, my friend Rick Williford and Dental Intel, which is an outstanding program. They're both really good programs. There are others, but those are the two that I'm most familiar with. And more than ever, 
we need to be using these programs. Remember, folks, if you're not familiar with these metrics programs, if you work with Dent- Dentrix, EagleSoft, or Open Dental, these are programs that will actually sync with these programs and pull information out to help you find profit holes in your practice. For example, we want to look at the reappointment percentage. What percentage of your patients are being appointed after they leave their most current hygiene appointment? The national average is, I mean, I've heard anywhere from 50 to 70%. Yours should be 90% with new patients and 80% with the rest or higher with the rest of your patients. Obviously, firefighters, airline pilots, things like that, you know, uh, um, flight attendants. They don't know their schedules. So with people like that, you set a placeholder and you say, hey, uh, uh, Mr. Jones, I understand you're a pilot for Delta Airlines and I know it's hard. Let's set this appointment for um, October the 25th and I'll check in with you a couple of weeks before and see how that's going. Then you've got a placeholder and they know that you're being, uh, you're taking care of them. The pre-appointment percentage, what percentage of all of your active patients have a future appointment? That's sad, folks. It's down in the 30 and 40% in many dental offices. We need to know. Everybody needs to have a future appointment. The way you make money in dentistry is visits. It's seats in the chair, okay? It's seats in the chair. So what's my pre-appointment patients? How many active patients do I have in my practice that are not in regular recall. I mean, that is, you know, we're seeing 40%, 50%, 60% in active recall. I mean, you have patients out there who have not had three appointments in the last 18 months. You have patients who are due for recare, but they're not being, they're not scheduled. This is lost revenues. If you could reappoint Uh, 20% of these people, you could be adding tens of thousands of dollars to your top line. And remember, every additional dollar of revenue you earn in your dental practice, and I've been harping on this for three and a half years on this podcast, every single additional dollar of revenue has a net marginal profit of somewhere between 70 and 80% because doctors, to do, you know, a two-surface composite restoration for whatever, three, $400, to do a crown, uh, to do an inlay or an onlay, uh, to, do an, uh, you know, to, um, uh, to, to do an implant crown. You don't need to add additional employees to do that. You don't need to pay additional rent. Your computer costs aren't going to be any higher. The only additional costs you have for those procedures are lab and supplies, which run about 15%. So every dollar I can add to the top line 70 to 85% of it drops to the bottom line. What about your case presentation? You know, what's your case presentation? You should be having an 80% case presentation based on the number of cases you present and 60% based on the dollars. Now, that could be different if you have a, a practice where you're presenting large cases on a regular basis. What about your hygiene department, periodontal maintenance and SRPs? You know, we want you to be looking to see, do we have 20 to 30% of the hygiene in our office in peri- not, you know, periodontal uh, re- you know, maintenance, three, four-month maintenance, 
And are we doing SRPs? The national average is under 10%. And we could spend a whole podcast talking about the liability and the issues of not diagnosing and treating periodontal disease in your practice. So these are the things. Do you have good collection policies? How are your collection policies? You should be your accounts receivable, which is the money that patients and insurance companies owe to you, should be no more than 65 to 75% of one month's production. So if you are doing 100,000 a month in your practice, your receivable should be 65 to $75,000 at any time. If your receivables are 200,000, that means patients are not are walking out of your office without proper financial arrangements. They're walking out of your office without paying um, their share of uh, what insurance doesn't pay, uh, the, the patient portion, if you will. Um, and, and 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 this is money that's not going in your pocket and your overhead doesn't go. The, the, the landlord doesn't call you up and say, okay, um, hey, Art, so I understand that Susie's not doing a really good job collecting money at the front desk, so your collections are down. So, you know, don't worry about the rent this month. Uh, does that happen? Eh, nope. <laughs> Doesn't happen that way. Um, is the front desk, like I said, front desk making good financial arrangements? Are they following up on insurance and delinquent accounts? So if someone, you know, I mean, it, it's, and, and folks, Never, ever apologize about asking to be paid for your services. Never, ever, ever, ever apologize. I've never apologized for our fees as a dental CPA. You should never apologize for your fees. Uh, Mrs. Smith, um, you know, today's uh, visit will be $452. Would you like to take care of that by cash, check, or credit card? It's not whether she's going to take care of it. It's how she's going to take care of it. And it's a matter of fact. Well, I don't, I don't, they didn't bring my check. I got, so, uh, okay, well, Mrs. Smith, when can we expect payment? And, and, and if Mrs. Smith says, well, what are you talking about? Why are you asking for money? Then Mrs. Smith is not a good fit in your practice. So, so it's important that we collect money. All right. So here's another thought. If we start running into recession and if we have layoffs and if we have, you know, patients who are hemming and hawing about this. That means that there might be companies out there who are dropping their dental insurance coverage. So what a great opportunity to look into an in-house dental plan, a de dental plan, dental plan, I'm sorry, an in-house dental plan. So we had, um, uh, we had the folks, uh, Brad James from Clear, uh, was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago talking about an, an in-house dental membership plan. So this might be a great time to sit down with your office manager and say, hey, Susie, um, let's take a look at our patient base. And I want to find out how many of our patients are either CFOs, COOs, chief operating officers, or CEOs of companies. And, you know, it, it could be, I mean, obviously, if it's General Motors, um, probably not going to go to General Motors for your dental office for an in-office dental plan. But it could be ABC um, tooling that has 90 employees. And, you know, maybe you go to lunch with the CEO or the CFO and say, you know, what we're seeing in dentistry is that dental insurance companies 
are more and more, they're raising their rates to you, they're cutting their reimbursements to us. It's really getting ugly and it's it's getting to the point where we're hearing a lot of our clients who own companies are having to have serious considerations about whether to continue their, their dental plans for their employees. Well, you know, Mr. Jones, we have an answer. And we have this in office membership plan. And we, you know, for $299 uh, a year, you could, um, you know, your your employees would get two cleanings uh, and x-rays. I mean, whatever it is you're going to provide. And uh, we will give every one of your employees a 10% or 15% or whatever you choose to do courtesy off of our fees for our dental services. And... I bet you they'll go back and run the numbers. So you have a hundred employees in your in your business. And Two hundred ninety nine dollars is twenty nine thousand nine hundred dollars. I will bet you that business is paying more in insurance premiums to whatever insurance company it is, and they could be paying it to you, um, and you'd have all those patients. So. An in-office membership plan in a recession is one of the best things that you can look at. Absolutely best thing. Another thing that you really need to be thinking about, folks, is cross-training your dental team. And the reason that that's important is if we get to the point where maybe your town is um, not doing as well. I remember, gosh, 30, 35 years ago, um, I lectured in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, wonderful, wonderful town. And in that town, the major employer was the state of Pennsylvania. And what happened was, was that they changed insurance plans. So, you know, you need to be ready if, you know, they they drop a plan or people don't come in, um, and you need to be ready for that. So you need to have your team cross-trained because if you have to let somebody go, lay somebody off, everybody else needs to know how to do that assistance job or how to do the um, front office's job or the treatment coordinator job. Very, very important. Adding additional procedures during a recession is a really, really good idea. Okay, now again, you know we're not gonna go down the road of talking about what you should or shouldn't be doing. Um, you know, we we all know what additional procedures means. That could be placing implants. That could be Invisalign. That could be sleep dentistry. I am a huge, huge, huge proponent of sleep dentistry. I've had I've told this audience I've had sleep apnea for about fifteen plus years, and I truly believe my dentist Scott West in Mission Viejo, California, saved my life by diagnosing my sleep apnea. And I sleep with a CPAP machine very soundly every night. And uh, I can probably count on one hand the number of times that I haven't. The only times I haven't slept with my CPAP is when I'm on the river fishing and there's no electricity. And I don't have one of those portable machines. I should probably get one. But anyway, adding additional procedures, doing additional continued education. Doctors, let your team know that regardless if there's a recession, I, Dr. Wiederman, am in the process of becoming a Kois mentor. I'm going, I'm joining a Spear study club. I'm going to Panky for one of their continuums. I'm constantly learning, constantly getting better so that we can better serve our patients. That's what we need to be doing is having a plan of what are we going to do? 
are we going to add another treatment room? Does it make sense? Are we going to add another day of hygiene? Does it make sense? Are we going to raise our fees? We'll talk about that in a minute. Flexible hours. I mean, we, we've now got um, people that are working at home, like me. I'm raising my hand. You can't see me, but I'm raising my hand right now, and I'm waving it uh, into the computer because I gave up my office. Uh, I'm still working, and I'm working at home, and I'm loving working at home. Um, I can have breakfast and lunch with my wife uh, with about a 10-step uh, uh, movement to the kitchen table, and it works out great. So, you know, people might want flexible hours. So if you can provide flexible hours, you're going to beat your competition. You know, always say yes. I told the story about Deborah and Ross Nash and Ross and his practice. Anytime a patient asks you to do something, it's got to be yes. And it's got to be an enthusiastic yes. Um you know, I, I need a copy of this and this and this. I need help with the insurance company. Mrs. Smith, we're on it. We're all over this. We'll make sure that we take care of it. I mean, a perfect example is one of my wonderful clients here in South Orange County. Um, got a, We got them, a, uh, their practice, about a $68,000 employee retention tax credit for 2020. And they got a, they got a notice from the IRS that said, um, we're just going to disallow part of one of the quarters. It made absolutely no sense. So I got on the phone. I I, I sent uh, the, our client email. I said, I'm on it. We're going to take care of it. I sat on the phone on hold with the Internal Revenue Service for almost two hours. And then I got on the phone with with them. And 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 guys, it's, it's really tough because once you get on the phone with them, they can't call you back. It's like, well, you know, if you're talking to your, your spouse or your child and you get disconnected, you know their number, you can call them back. You can't do that with the IRS. So imagine you're sitting on hold for two hours and then uh, the phone goes dead and you can't call that person back. That person can't call you back. So I said to this doctor, I said, we're going to take care of this. It's going to get done. And I finally got it done uh, last week three hours to get this thing done with the IRS. And I said, this is what we do for our clients as dental CPAs. This is what you must do for your patients. The answer must be not only yes, but an enthusiastic yes. Absolutely. Okay. Verbal skills and asking your patients for referrals and marketing. Now, I'm convinced that while everybody says we need new patients and we have to get new patients and we can't do without new patients, no, you can't. Once you stop marketing your business, whether it's a dental practice, a CPA practice, a manufacturing business, whatever it is, once you stop doing that, your business begins to die. You must start asking your patients for referrals if you don't do that. And I can't tell you, over 38 years in this profession, how many times and what percentage of my clients, and I ask them all, do you ask your patients for referrals? And over 50% of them, they don't say no. Some of them do, but most of them say, well, not as much as I should. Okay. And here's how you ask for a referral. The easiest way to ask for a referral, because remember your patients don't know that the life's blood of your practice are new patients. Because if you do your job, within a year to two years, you will have basically done most all of the dentistry on that patient except for ongoing maintenance. 
So, you know, and this is, we're going to talk about morning huddle here in a minute. But this is why it is so important to be able to say the following to a patient. So, Mrs. Smith, how did it go today? And, and Mrs. Smith says, oh my gosh, uh, Art, uh, I can't tell you how much I love coming here. Your hygienist is wonderful. She's just, I've gotten to know her as a person. She cares about me. Uh, your front office is just wonderful. Whatever problems I have with insurance or whatever, they take care of it. Uh, your dental assistant is just one of the happiest human beings I've ever seen. And you, uh, you're great. And at that point, you say, well, Mrs. Smith, I want to thank you for that. I'm honored that you would say those nice things about me and my team. And we're very fortunate here, and you can knock on wood if you like, uh, but we're very fortunate here at Wiederman Dental Care uh, that we hear that a lot. And we have a lot of happy patients, lots of hugs. And I don't know if you know this, but we're always looking for new people. But Mrs. Smith, there's one caveat. They have to be really nice like you. Okay, if they're not nice, I don't want to talk to them. All right. They need to be nice. And, and you kind of say it jokingly. And I can promise you that if you were to refer your family and friends to uh, our practice, that we would take the world class care that we take of uh, for you. And we would take that kind of care for them. And you have my honest, my absolute word for that. And here's some of my cards. It's heartfelt. It's not rehearsed. And you ask them for referrals. Okay. I mean, I always talk when I do my lectures, I say, okay, let's think about Mrs. Smith, what she's thinking about today. And I've said this on the podcast before. Uh, okay. I got three things to do. I got to drop Johnny off at school. I got to go do the grocery shopping and I got to pick up the dry, uh, dry cleaning. And oh yeah, I also have to refer Dr. Wiederman five new patients. No, it doesn't work that way. Uh, most people don't know that you accept new patients. If you are in a busy, if you have a busy reception area, I don't like the term waiting room. I like the term reception area. If it's too busy and people have to wait, they think, oh, they don't need new patients. They're so busy. They can't see me. If it takes six months to get in for a hygiene appointment, they can't see me. Well, that may be true. It may not be true. Make sure that you've built a war chest because in a recession, folks, cash is king. So my recommendation to you is while I don't want you to stop living your life, I don't want you to stop taking vacations. My gosh, uh, you haven't had a vacation in two and a half years. Uh, we're all dying to get out and about and overseas and go you know, on, on cruises and, and airplane rides and do all this stuff. But if we have, you know, if we have recession, there will be no more PPP money. There will be no more ERC. There will be no more HHS. Uh, there will be, I mean, the idle program is there, but that's a loan. That's not a grant. The government is done giving all of us money. They've increased the national debt by close to $10 trillion. It, 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 it's up by 50% over you know three years ago. They had to do it. So, so you now need to build a war chest in your bank account so that if your practice suffers a little bit, and I'll tell you, back in 2008, dental practices went, went and I'll tell you, we, we 
came so close. There are books about this. We came so close to having 1929 Great Depression happen all over again. I had clients calling me two in one day, and they basically said, Art, should I pull my money out of the bank? And the dental profession came through with flying colors. Most offices were down 5 to 15%, where other, other businesses were just absolutely throttled and devastated. I mean, look at the pandemic. Most of you were shut down for 8 to 12 weeks. And with all the pent-up demand, people came back. And did all of you do better in 2020 than you did in 2019? Probably not. Some of you did. Some of my clients did better, uh, especially in the second half of 2020. Uh, but you know, you need the war chest. You need to build the war chest. You need to have emergency savings of at least three to six months. So if your personal living expenses are fifteen thousand a month, you need forty-five to ninety thousand dollars in a secure money market savings account, whatever it is, so that if this economy goes into recession, that you don't have to worry about your next loan payment. You don't have to worry about your next mortgage payment. You don't have to worry about your next college tuition payment. Absolutely not. So let's talk for a minute about the morning huddle and and, and some of the things that these metrics programs talk about. So, you know, I, I've got, um, and again, I, I, I've got information from, from both Dentometrics and Dental Intel. So Dental Intel's got a really cool poster uh, and it gives you kind of step-by-step, uh, kick off the day, two to three minutes, get the team excited to be there for the huddle, um, have a, you know, have some coffee, dance party. I mean, you know, you just celebration, just let's, let's, let's start off on a positive note. Let's then talk about the previous day. What happened? How did we do? We had goals. Our goal was $5,000. Okay. Celebrate a couple of things that went well, you know? So yeah, what went well? Oh yeah. Uh, Mrs. Jones came in at 11 o'clock and she was scheduled, um, for, um, for a crown and we were able to do some additional same day dentistry. And we did two additional crowns that day. That's a celebration folks. You know, what about a goal for the month that you're trying to improve on? Maybe we're trying to increase reappointment percentages. Maybe we have to work on at the front desk, making sure that part of our conversation when we check everybody out is to make sure that they are scheduled for a future recall or recare appointment. You know, that goal, whatever that is, champion one of your team members and talk about it every morning. How is that going? What about patients who left without scheduling a future appointment? How are we going to get them? Who's going to call them? Okay, let's talk about then uh, today's schedule. All right, and that's one of the cool things that that, that Dentometrics has, uh, Rick Wilford's program has is a um, it, it's a it's a it's one sheet, and it's got all these different things. Okay, whose birthday is it today? Who's a new patient? Uh, have we confirmed that patient? Has that patient's um, work come back from the lab? Are there any medical alerts that we need to know about? Uh, are there any balances that we need to collect? 
are there any patients who are family members of that patient that's coming in? Hey, uh, Steve, how, how's, how's your family? How's Joan and the boys doing? You know, we're real concerned that we were talking about in our morning huddle that, you know, we haven't seen Joan and the boys in the office for uh, uh, over a year. Are, are they okay? You know, we're worried about it. Do, do they have any questions, anything we can do? And, you know, oh, well, yeah, you know, we were talking about that. Uh, uh, we're talking about that today. And what we really need to do is uh, we need to get them in there and say, so may I have your permission to call um to give them a call and see if uh, they want to come in. Absolutely. We want to compare the production goal with what we scheduled. We want to look at the open areas. We need to make sure, guys, that if there is a two-hour block of production from 10 to 12 on Thursday, and today is Tuesday, wouldn't it be nice that the doctor knew that? Wouldn't it be nice that the assistant and the hygienist knew that? Because what happens? You go in there, doctor does an exam, and we find this out and say, oh, boy, you know, that tooth looks really, really bad. I'm thinking inlay. I'm thinking onlay. I'm thinking crown, whatever it is. And uh, by the way, um, in our morning huddle, I think we have a two-hour block on Thursday. Are you available, Mrs. Smith? Because I'm really, really worried about this. You need to know. The clinical team needs to identify areas where extra help is going to be needed. You know, maybe there's a, a reconstructive case. Maybe there's a, um, uh, you know, a full uh, a full arch that we're doing. Maybe we need an extra assistant. We need to know that. Uh, we talked about unscheduled treatment, family members, and patients overdue for hygiene. So that's a maybe five-minute block of your morning huddle. Morning huddle is not going to take more than 10 to 15 minutes. And then one of the things we talk about is a, some sort of a motivational minute, a funny video or an inspirational quote or something to get the day going. And that's your morning huddle. And, and, and that is so important. And I can't tell you how many offices, how many offices don't do morning huddles or they do them intermittently. Okay. Um, I mean, absolutely. Uh, you, you really need to do the morning huddle. And it's so, so important. And the last thing I want to talk about is 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 one of the things that you should be focusing on, not only during a recession, but all times, is how to talk to your patients and how to present the case and how to make sure that you are perceived by your people, not only that they like you, but that you care for them and they trust you. And they trust you like their family. Because once you build the trust, and this is so, so important, in a recession is when people are uncertain about, are they going to have a job? Are they going to get a raise? Are they going to be able to make their next house payment? And dentistry goes from being something that's like a no-brainer, I'll just put it on the credit card, to, well, I don't know. If you have not built a feeling of trust with your patients and that you care about them and that every single person who works in your office cares about every single patient and it's genuine. If you don't have that culture in your office, people will find a reason to go somewhere else. When people are stressed, they want to feel happy. They want to feel like they're being cared for. And that is something that you need to do. 
And so in a recession, folks, you know, we don't panic. We don't freak out. Um, gosh, I used to have, <laughs> I don't know if I've told this on the podcast. I, you know, when you've done over 150 of these podcasts, uh, you don't remember what you've said from podcast to podcast. But I used to have an employee who worked for me, who obviously remained nameless. And every single time that something was not going right, every single time, what would happen is, is she would come in and, oh my God, we have a major crisis. You know, it was, I have an ingrown toenail. It's a major crisis. So finally, what I said to her is I said, all right, there are two major crises or crises, crises, I guess, crises. There are two major crises that I will allow you to present to me. One is someone is dying or has died in my office. And number two is the building is on fire and we must get out. Other than that, we will figure it out. And folks, if you're stressed and you don't know what to do, I mean, I've been meditating for years and it relaxes me and I don't worry anymore about things I don't control. I don't worry if the inflation rate is 9%. I don't worry if gas prices are $5 or $6 or $12 or $100 a gallon. I don't worry about that. What I worry about is how can I take world-class care of our clients and you should be worrying about how can you take world-class care of your patients. So that's my words of wisdom for how to deal with a recession. I certainly hope we don't have a recession. If we do, I really think that our economy in the long run is very strong. It will come out of it. Um, we'll see what happens in the midterm elections in the first week in November. And we'll see if we still have a Democratic White Well, we know we'll have a Democratic White House. Will we have a Democratic House of Representatives and Senate? Or will it be a Republican House, a Republican Senate, Democratic Senate? We don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, but hopefully the folks in Washington will figure this out and we'll be able to bring inflation under control. And if there is going to be a recession, it will be short-lived and it will be mild. And that's all we can hope for. So with that said, uh, please, again, go to our member, you know, our partner, Decisions in Dentistry Magazine, www.decisionsindentistry.com for great clinical content and 140 uh, continuing education courses per year at a very reasonable price. If we can be of help for you at Ide Bailey, um, we are always accepting. Okay, so here it is. Okay, I'm asking for a referral, folks, just like I was teaching you earlier. So Dentists of America and around the world, because this podcast is heard in like 60 different countries, I believe, um, we are accepting new clients. Uh, so if you are getting great, and this is what I always tell people, if you're getting great service from your CPA, you should stay with your CPA. If you're not getting great service, if they don't care and they don't give you the time of day and return phone calls, the number one reason, by the way, folks, that dentists uh, or all business owners leave a CPA to go to another one is failure to return phone calls. And I beat that into my team for over 30 years. So, you know, if, if you're not happy with what's going on and you want somebody who understands your business, give us a call. My office number is 657-279-3243. And my... Email is a Wiederman 
W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N, at idebailey.com. And uh, other than that, I think that's about what I've got for you. I'm going to go out on Sunday of this week, August 14th. And I think uh, my oldest son, Nathan, and my wife, Lynn, and I are going to go to one of my happy places. We're going to go play, probably go play nine holes of golf and uh, relax in the in the sunshine and go have lunch and maybe have dinner. And uh, I'll get to put another candle on the birthday cake and um Am I excited about it? Yeah, I am, because uh, as my late mother, Cynthia, used to say, the alternative stinks. So with that said, everybody, I want to thank you so much for the honor and privilege of your time, for listening to my podcast, uh, for the thousands of people that listen to this podcast every month who listen to the different podcasts that come out. I truly hope, I truly hope it is my wish and my legacy that I have given you the inspiration and the tools and the kick in the pants to make your dental practice better, to make your life better, to make your uh, ability to meet your personal financial goals, to retire, to put your children through college, um, to have proper insurances, estate plan, um, you know, pay as little as you can in taxes. I hope I've been able to do that with you for you. And it's an honor and a privilege to be speaking to you uh, on this podcast. And with that said, this is Art Wiederman for the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman CPA. And we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. The Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast is produced by Ide Bailey in partnership with Art Wiederman, CPA, Decisions in Dentistry Magazine, and the Academy of Dental CPAs. For audience questions and feedback, email Art Wiederman, awiederman at idebailey.com. That's A-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y.com. Or you may call Art at 657-279-3243.